to be included in the top 10% of net worth Americans in the United States, you need about $1.2 million. In order to join the more illustrious and exclusive one percenters, you need to have a minimum of $10.3 million in net worth. Today's episode, we're going to talk about net worth averages and medians in today's society, as well as what it takes to be in the 1%. Uh, we're also going to investigate as you go through your stages of life, your 20s and 30s, uh, what a one percenter looks like in those stages of life and what you want to focus on when you're in those stages so you can at least keep yourself on pace uh, to be in that top 10 percent by the time you retire. Welcome to the Good Samaritan podcast. I'm your host, Jason Jackson, where we talk about money, business and life. And I hear you think you got it what it takes to be in the top one percent. Well, let's talk about what the top one percent looks like. Let's get into episode seven. Welcome, welcome back to the Good Samaritan podcast. I know it's been a uh, it's been a quick little minute, but I'm glad to get back to episode seven. Talk about the uh, what net worth of the one percent and the top ten percent in the country and how we uh, all are on that race to get there. Uh, I'm sorry for the the short hiatus. I had a, a new a development in my life that I'm happy to report. My wife uh, and I are going to have our third child, a uh, a baby girl. So I'll finally add a baby girl to my uh, to my life uh, very soon here. And uh, I've had some some more stressors added onto the onto the plate. I've been uh, working to get a baby room together, uh, get some things cleaned around the house. So I, I had to uh, put put backs put some things on the on the side. Um, to kind of get some things rolling and ready for the new baby, new addition to our family. So uh, really excited about that. Uh, we're actually going to talk a little bit about that uh, on today's episode in regards to how that might affect your financial planning, uh, as it's something that you all go through when, you, when you're starting a family or your family starts to get larger. Uh, but I'm glad to be back. Uh, I had the opportunity to kind of sit down and think about, you know, the 1% um, Net worth in the country, and I know that's been a, a big thing since the the Occupy Wall Street movement that happened. Shoot, almost almost ten years ago, uh, believe it or not. But it really kind of got me thinking. Like, well, I haven't really looked at any of the data on the numbers of what uh, the one percenters look like from a financial perspective or a net worth perspective, uh, as well as your top ten percenters. And I found there's a lot of data to be mined on the internet where you can uh, pretty much find out a lot about uh, what those numbers might look like. Uh, but I'll go back to the intro um, as we kind of as we kind of drop those numbers about who are the one percent. Well, uh, we know that the one percent or the top one percent by net worth uh, minimum have a uh, ten million dollars in, in net worth, which is a huge number um, to even chase. Uh, even if you are a very high income uh, individual, it might take you some time to build up that kind of a, a nest egg. Uh, to join the one percent, but the top ten percent, uh, believe it or not, is about one point two million dollars. Also, a large number, about ten times less uh, than the one percenters, but pretty much a millionaire, almost technically a, a one million dollar uh, net worth individual. Technically, is not even in the top ten percent. You got to have that extra, almost you know, two hundred thousand as well to be in the top ten percent of the country. And as you as we look at those numbers. I want to juxtapose that with what the average American uh, makes. 
the average household in America is about $50,000. I got the number I have here is $51,000 and average annual salary uh, in a household. So if you look at that over the course of a lifetime of working, which we'll call about 40 years, um, which is usually the target uh, most people go for. Obviously, some people work less depending on how much they save and how much they invest. Um, others, as you've known, work a lot longer. And as, as you've heard some of the uh, more sad stories about the upcoming generation uh, who hasn't planned as effective as they might wish they would have uh, earlier on in their careers, you know, may not ever be able to, to stop working. Uh, but to bring you back to that average, talking 51K a year, uh, over 40 years, you're probably looking at about $2 million uh, worth of lifetime earnings over your working life. And that's just working. That's not from investments. That's just if I go to work every day and I'm making the average amount of salary that an average American makes, uh, I, over the course of my working life, not my entire lifetime, my working life, I, I can make about $2 million. Uh, the really key there is, is there's still even opportunity if you even only make the average amount of income for an American citizen or American worker uh, in our society, you still have a chance to, to join the top 10% in net worth because um, you will have made pretty much double of what the, uh, what the th- minimum threshold is for you to join the top 10%, which, as I said earlier, is $1.2 million. So there's still a chance for you to join there if you, if you invest appropriately and have your money also to grow with you as you are also productive and make money yourself, which is why we talk about investments and assets uh, so much already into this show and why it's such a big topic for people who want to be financially independent. So that got me thinking, OK, if I got if I make two million dollars from my average, you know, average salary as an American worker and I just go to work. The big part, as we've talked on this show, is the planning piece. So, you know, why, you know, Jason, if that's if that's the case and why aren't there so many more um, millionaires in the country, you know, by age 60, which there are, which once we, once we get there, there, there are a good amount of them. But yeah, you're kind of like, yeah, one, $1 million is kind of low. If you, if you think about it to be in the top 10% of net worth individuals, uh, in the country, uh, when you compare over compared to everyone, uh, being in that data set and we'll get to, you know, looking at just 20 year olds and 30 year olds and 40 year olds and 50 year olds. And you'll find that, you know, older individuals have more net worth. But overall, when you include everybody uh, in the calculation, you're like, oh, that's not maybe that's not that's that that's doable. Even if I even just make the, the average the average uh, income or average household income of fifty one thousand dollars. And if uh, I can boost it even more, if both my if both um, married couples work. Uh, together in a the household, there's even bigger opportunity. You go, well, Jason, why, you know, why, why, why do I feel like everyone in that um, income, in that income bracket, I feel like they, you know, most of those people that I talk to in my life, like they, you know, they are, they say they're struggling to make ends meet in the, in the like. So the next, the next data point you should, now I want to point you to look at on uh, this quick Google search, 
but the American savings rate, which is, has gone up since the pandemic because people have gotten nervous and started to save more, uh, is 7.6% is the personal savings rate uh, in the United States. 7.6%. So let's let's do a little, stick with me here and we'll do a little calculations. 7.6% is my savings rate and I make $51,000 a year, the average American does. That's only about $4,000 a year that you say. So after 12 months of working 40 hours a week, you know, maybe, a, you know, two weeks of vacation, 7.6% based on the data is what Americans are saving. You're saving about $4,000 a year. If you look at for what we recommended in the past and I, you know, I've, I've always suggested, you know, go all into it, reduce your reduce your lifestyle so you can really make your money go as far and work as hard for you as possible uh, in the front end. I think you really need to, we would need to consider what we recommend is to really boost that savings rate so you can use that money to make more money for you. So I just juxtapose this against a 30% savings rate. 30% savings rate for the exact same income, the exact same person. This is just a person who's making different choices in their life on how they can maximize the amount of money that they can, quote unquote, put away. And when I mean savings rate, this is just before we get to the investments, this is what I put aside in a bank account or I'm putting aside to go invest, et cetera, et cetera. This is the money I hold on to after my expenses are paid in the things I enjoy in life, whether it be movies, et cetera, or um, discretionary spending, let's use that, that term instead. In a year, that same person, if they focus on, okay, I'm gonna save 30% versus the 7.6% savings rate currently uh, in America, in a year, they're looking at $15,000 a year. And this number is almost four times as much as the person I described before who's only saving 7.6% of their income each year. So teachers is a good example. You have two teachers at the same school who make the same money. Um, I know in Texas, I think it's a little higher than 51,000, but teachers, I love teachers. So those two people, make the same money, but one person could end up with a million dollars by the time they retire, uh, plus their pension, if they if they still have pensions for teachers, I'd have to look to see what they have in Texas, and really be looking forward to a very plentiful, relaxed, comfortable retirement living at the end of their 40-year career, so they work that long. Their counterpart, on on the other hand, who's only saving 7.6%, is going to have a much tougher time, which if, if you look, once we look, once we get to that 60-year-old range, it's hard to see how the numbers shake out. Over 40 years, the person who saves 7.6% of that $51,000 will have about $160,000 in comparison. And that's just flat savings. That's just... Simple math, this doesn't have anything to do with growth over time in the market. Just the money that they say they were to, you know, just set aside. And we're not gonna add any any of the growth you might have over that time in the in the stock market, et cetera, if you got real estate investments. 
compared to the person who's saving 30% of their income or their, you know, their savings rate is 30%, they're looking at $610,000 over those 40 years of working. I mean, this is a huge disparity. I mean, you're you're talking over $400,000 plus difference between the two people just because of the decisions that they made about their lifestyle, what, what one person might prioritize versus another to secure their, their financial situation. Until you get growth off of that 610000 or 160000 depending on what you've invested in over that 40 years, you can get you get you get a lot closer to being in the realm of that top ten percent. I mean, closer to being a millionaire at minimum. Um, if you just work, if you don't get any pay raises, you don't. This is not including any bonuses. And say you don't take any uh, job promotions. There's a good just by making the choice on the lifestyle and the way you budget can really change what your future looks like down the road if you're consistent and hardworking at it. So I really want that to seek in, first of all, as, I, as I've a, a big part of this podcast is just self-accountability, because, yes, there are, the, are a lot of um, things in life stacked up against you or against us or we all started a different place. But you can't change it. You do have the impact to change what happens down the road if you're willing to plan and be accountable, what you can impact. Don't focus on what you can't impact, but what you can impact can make all the difference. So I just wanted to start there. I thought that was a great way to start off this episode. If you as you look at those two those two stats, you know, Americans just gotta get their numbers up, man. They gotta get those numbers up. You know what I mean? Those numbers up. They gotta get that savings rate up uh, and not be so dazzled. Uh, by the the joys that we can have in life uh, immediately in the present compared to what dividends they can pay off uh, in the future. So let's dive right into what uh, really the beginning of you know our lives after college or if not college, you know pretty much your tw- your early twenties, uh, whether you go to college where you start a trade or where you just go straight into the workforce. You know, what does it take to be a one percenter in your 20s? So all, all of my data here uh, from here and actually comes from personalfinancedata.com. Uh, so you can definitely go there and you can actually put in a calculator exactly what your net worth is. And it'll tell you what percentile uh, you are at uh, for your age group or if you want to go to a broader uh, amount of data as well uh, in America and where you and where you where you stand. Uh, but as. For 20-year-olds, uh, based on this, this website, your mean, so your net worth of 20 to 30-year-olds in the United States, the average net worth is about $7,370, uh, which I mean, is pretty much, pretty much is uh, a very small number. Um, you'll, we'll discuss definitely why, as you can imagine, uh, when you go out into the workforce, uh, if you didn't have any inheritance or money that you had sitting on the side for you, uh, whether it be from your parents or grandparents or uh, you come from a wealthy family, that, that, you know, this is a typical place to start. Uh, from a median perspective, so half the people make more 
uh, in this age group and half the people make less is much higher. It's about 62,000. Uh, so about half the people uh, in this age group have a net worth of about 62,000 or higher, uh, which isn't, isn't a bad start uh, for sure. I think what you're about to find out, uh, the very daunting difference uh, between the one percenters of 20 to 30 years old 30 year olds in the 99 percent um it's a pretty high number it's it's one million thirty seven thousand two hundred dollars uh so even in your 20s and 30s to be in the top one percent of earners for that age group uh you need to you need to be at a mini minimum of a million dollars uh in net worth uh which is pretty pretty stag pretty staggering as you remembered uh, in the conversation I was just having, even in total, so in total, um, including everyone in America, particularly working class, you know, working Americans, um, people who generate uh, dollars, to be in the top 10%, you needed a million dollars. And if you have a million dollars in your 20s and 30s in net worth, uh, you already are in the top 1% uh, for that group. So as you can imagine, you know, I still remember my my twenties uh, very very vividly. Most people are very uh, young; they're vigorous; they're kind of ready just to get their life started. Uh, personally, for me, I you know I, my first son was already born; uh, was fresh out of college. I knew I wanted to be wealthy at the time. I had no idea how to get there uh, until I started to educate myself. But this is about the time I started to educate myself. I had about 15K in student loan debt at the time. Um, I did decide to go back to school uh, at the end of my 20s, which really jacked that number back up. But, um, you know, I'm a fan of paying down debt. So we we went ahead and attacked that. Um, But I would say most people are in that in that mode. They're 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 still trying to find themselves where they fit in the world, what they want to do. Really starting to go out and find their first career and, and get their first job. Um, and they don't really have a lot of assets, at least uh, the majority of Americans don't have a lot of assets at this at this point in life. And they might have some debt. They'll probably uh, have a lot of debt They, if they uh, unless they followed uh, some good financial uh, advice, which I, I hope that they do, uh, particularly one like this podcast to stay as away from debt as much as you can in that stage of life. But, you know, for me, it was. Like I said, student loan debt. I had I needed a car. Again, I did not understand at the time, but my dad had bought me a car, uh, cash money. Uh, and this is from my last episode when I talked about the origins. If my dad would have only sat me down and talked to me more about why it would have been more uh, beneficial for me to fix the transmission in that car and drive it longer than to go get my first auto loan. Uh, that would have helped out a lot. So my my son doesn't know it yet, but he has a he already has a leg up once that once that time comes around for him. Uh, so I had an auto loan debt. Uh, I was living. Me and my wife had got our first apartment together. Uh, I was still hunting for my first job, but I went and got my you know I went and finally found my first career by the end of um, 2010. Yes, 2010. Uh, when I, you know, finally landed that first gig, now I'm just starting to make money. Uh, but the whole building net worth wasn't really a thing I was doing, so I made a lot of the mistakes that that people make in their twenties. Uh, they want to 
especially uh, which I, I would say I've noticed for middle class families is you try to all you know is what your parents the lifestyle your parents you know worked for and gave to you and again till you're an adult you always take for granted for all the things you had access to um, that your parents you know might have earned or they might have already had passed down but you try to maintain that lifestyle even though you may not make the income to maintain the lifestyle that you lived uh, as a young kid. And I would say this this is probably the biggest piece of advice I would want to give anyone in their 20 to 30 year range is that what you become accustomed to growing up, depending on how you grew up, um, but if it's middle class or for your high, upper, you know, upper middle class, you're an upper class, and depending on obviously how your, your parents might manage you as an as an adult, but you don't realize how much those things cost until, you know, you're out in the world and you have to pay for them yourself. And I don't want you to feel like you have to have the pressure to maintain a lifestyle that you very well may not afford. Um, but because it's so normal for you, you 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 know you lo- you use all of your, you know, all the money that you have um, to maintain that lifestyle that was not created by your work, but by the efforts uh, of your parents. And I, you know, I'll be the first one to tell you that hey, it's okay. Depending on how much money you make, should determine the kind of lifestyle you have, and the kind of lifestyle you have is determined by the plan that you built. For those financial goals that we talked about in that self-assessment. So the planning, the self-assessment, those things have to happen in your 20s. Um, The first piece of advice, don't feel bad if you have to live lower than your parents are doing. Because guess what? Your parents probably have 30, at least 30 years head start on you. So it's okay if you can't afford the same lifestyle that your parents gave you while you were growing up. But you're an adult now, so you have to make your own. Uh, you have to make your own choices. But don't feel bad that that's the case. It, you didn't do anything. You didn't do anything wrong, and it's okay if you're living lower. If you know, if if that means you can save more, you can invest more. And remember, that's what, that what your goal. That's what your goal is. Second big piece of advice in your 20s when you're building, uh, when you're starting out in your life, is you really need to set, think about where your goals are and where you want to be. Uh, for me, like I said, the first book I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I, the way I grew up, I knew that there was more out there to go get because of the people that were around me uh, in my life because of my dad, my dad's profession and my mother's uh, profession. So I knew that there was more to be had. But determine what that is, you know, determine what that is for you. Determine what your goal uh, is. I know, you know, being a, um, I guess, middle of the road millennial, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I came out into a job market at the end of the 08 crisis. Like it was it was tough uh, to find a, a good job. I waited tables for, I want to say, five to six months. Uh, here I was with a college degree. I was waiting tables, you know, and I had uh, a son to feed at home. My wife was also working, and we were just hustling um, to to really get off the ground, you know, to kind of, uh, as my father-in-law would put it, you know, you're just, you're on the runway. You know, that his, 
he would always say his planes were already, you know, they took off 20 years ago. It's like, you just, you just trying to get your financial life off the runway right now. You got so much more to do and plan for. So my, my, like I said, my second piece of advice is set your goal. Find out what you want to be. Is it, if it's retire early, you got to start now. It doesn't matter how much you make right now, but the plan has to start. Uh, putting the money away has to start, but you have to know what target you want to hit. Uh, as we talked about a self-assessment, and this is a great time to do it in your 20s, because guess what? What you have on your side uh, at this stage in life is time. Um, and what that means is you have compound interest on your side. So when you even if you only have a little bit to put away, it, got, it has so much more time to grow it will be it'd be so much bigger than you you could imagine. One of my fraternity brothers, uh, Zio Williams in in Dallas, um, when we talked in my early twenties, I mean he, I I can't incentivize how passionate he is about it because he is a financial advisor, and his his biggest point was always about how important it was to invest money in your twenties and how much further ahead you you would be uh, over the general population because most most Americans don't even really think about retirement till they hit their 30s. Uh, so, but they've almost missed, you know, eight to 10 years of earning money um, that they didn't invest any of it. They didn't they didn't do any 401k plans. And they, um, you know, they people always make fun of the lattes and the Starbucks and the coffee, which are expensive. Uh, but I'm not a coffee drinker, but just wanting to live downtown, for example, wanting to be where all the hot spots were and not really batting an eye about how much it costs to fund a, um, a very hipster like lifestyle. And not that everyone in that age group does it, but I, I would say that some of the naivety, including myself in those years, when you look back on it, say you're in your 30s or 40s, you always go, man, I could have, even if I would have just, you know, even if I would have just saved the 7.6% and put it in my retirement plan, you know, $4,000 a year, you know, I'd at least have 20, 20 grand, you know, and some people didn't have, you know, didn't invest anything. So your, your 20s and 30s is a, it's a very important time to create a solid foundation because the biggest thing you have on your side is time. Uh, even though your income levels, your peak income that you will make in your careers in your 40s, roughly about, and will peak um, in your 50s and right before retirement, the things you can gain in your 20s uh, is exceptional if, you know, which is the big if, if you can, you know, remove the veil and really start to plan your financial future because it pays dividends uh, in your 20s, for sure. So to be more concrete and direct about what needs to happen in your 20s, first thing you need to get put together is building an emergency fund. This is things we've, things we've talked about in general. Everyone needs an emergency fund. In your 20s, build your emergency fund. Um, determine what the amount of ex your expenses are for a month. You need six months of it, at least, at least six months of it. Uh, three months is okay to have as well. Uh, six months gives you a little more uh, comfortability with it. Build an emergency fund. Get that started early. 
secure your financial future uh, up front. So always start there in your 20s. Pay down debt. We got to get this debt off our backs. Man, I um, this is something I did not do early on in my 20s. And I, I at the time, I only had 15K uh, in student loan debt from my undergraduate degree that I received uh, at SMU in Dallas. Shout out to my alma mater. Um, but if at the time, again, at the time, it, the payment was low. And this is where the other veil, I want you all always remember to remove Pay, don't care about payments. Payments are um, financial magic to help mask the interest that you pay on the debts that you owe because that, that's just the bank sucking up most of your payment anyway. Like your principal's not going down that much. So get the debt off the back. If you got student loans, like attack it hard. Let's just get it out the way. So we're not carrying that on, you know, for decades at a time as people are, you know, are doing and have been doing. If we look, you know, at generations ahead of us, people are paying on student loans for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. That's so much interest that we've given away and money that we could have injected in our life to go make more money, money for us. So let's let's start to get out of debt, whatever little whatever debt that we have. Let's start making that plan and let's start crushing it. So by the time we hit our 30s, we're out of any toxic debt that's holding us back and we can really start to get that that asset train going. Let's get that building net worth, building our wealth going once we hit our 30 once we hit our 30s. Thirdly, if your company offers a 401k plan, and they got a match at minimum match the match uh the ideal situation is start off 15 percent out the gate so you already are you know accustomed to what that lifestyle is you know throughout your your working career but at minimum if there's a 401k retirement plan and your company is offering three percent four percent five percent six percent two percent match at minimum put it at the match because that's free money you can't get any other way. Company, Your company's not going to give you those dollars if you don't also put money in yourself. So go ahead and start to get that going. I will say from my personal experience, you know, and I, have, we haven't, I haven't been able to get back to it because I've been, I started to focus on debt and starting to make some more other investments I wanted to make. But the three or four years in my late 20s, when I just set my... Retirement on 15%, it grew. Um, it grew. And I was very impressed at how fast it grew. Um, once you once you can once you can again get once you can lift that veil, you go, man, that's a lot of money. Cause initially you're like, man, that's some few hundred dollars out of my check every week, every couple weeks. But when it's normal and you see it grow, you're like, oh, okay, I got that, I got that sitting over there, right? Okay. Now I know. Now I know what that means, and it's a, it's a big chunk of my net worth right now because I made those decisions uh, years back in my twenties. And then fourthly, uh, a big thing you I want you to go ahead and start to remember because again, I made this mistake, and if you're twenty years old out there, please uh, to give you the wisdom that you know that I have and that I, I hope you could take is. Allocate your raises and bonuses to 
it, it might not have to be 100%, but at least 50% or 70%. I'm going to say 100% because it depends on what your goal is and where you want to go. If you get a bonus, throw it on your throw it on your debt. You, get a, you got a bonus and you got debt, go ahead and start to erase that debt. Um, I've used a number of bonuses in my 20s to, to pay off auto loan debt. I don't mess with auto loan debt no more. Um, at this point in my life, I've had more years without a car payment than with a car payment. And it's it's normal for me. And I hate car payments. I will never go back to a car payment because I can use that three, four, five hundred dollars a month in my retirement or in a in a real estate deal that I could use. Like over time, you know, these are houses I could have bought if I just if I keep this five hundred dollar, you know, car payment. And you know, I live in Texas where people like to buy trucks. You're talking seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollar car payments. So you get a bonus, get rid of the debt. You don't have any debt, throw it in a in your retirement account. It's a bonus. I get it. It's like, oh man, extra money. Allocate it to your financial future. Don't raise your lifestyle. Use it to invest so that you can raise your lifestyle later, more comfortably. Because uh, once you get that money, you spend it and it's gone, it's gone. And the thing you don't want to look back on is, is I, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, once you hit your 30s, like I said, you've been working eight to 10 years. Think about what your, your annual salary is. If it was $50,000 in 10 years, your gross, you got paid $500,000. How much of that money, you know, how much of that money made it into a, a financial uh, asset that you still have? So of that $500,000, what's your net worth? And by the time you're 32, that's 10 years working, if your net worth is still zero, I think we need to we need to take a step back. And we need to look at our lifestyle because we're overspending and there's no way to get around it. So say you say you say you say you did well for yourself. You're making 80 grand or one hundred thousand dollars, you know, the last eight years gross. You made eight hundred thousand dollars. Eight hundred thousand dollars money you would like. You think, man, I don't million. Oh, they're millionaires. I'm like, no, if you're a working individual, it might take you more time to get there. She made $800,000. So what's your net worth? If it's still zero or if it's negative, I want you to ring the alarm. I want you to to look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, we got to make some changes here because we made $800,000. Say after taxes, I'm going to be generous. $600,000. After taxes, $600,000, $650,000. Where did all that money go? That's that's that conversation is the only conversation that you can have with yourself. Where did that money go? And that's the question that you have to ask. And once you and again, that once you ask that question, it immediately goes into, well, day, maybe Jason's right. Maybe I do need to do a self-assessment because I'm messing up here because if you would have told me I had 600 grand, I would have laughed in your face. I'm like, well, how much did you make? Oh, yeah, I made, you know, I was making $100,000 a year, you know, the last eight years. I've been in a smooth, steady job. You know, I might have bought a house, a good decision, depending on what those numbers look like. Go check out 15-year versus 30-year mortgages. Hope it was on the 15-year. But when I look at the numbers for, 
you know, 20 to 30 year olds in regards to net worth. And obviously the younger people will bring down the average down, which is why the average is only 7,000. Uh, the median is still only is about $60,000. You know, just putting money in your 401k will get you into the $60,000 around the median range if you're investing 15% of your income over that time period. And more likely more, but that's the median. To get in that 1%, man, a million dollars, that's a lot of money. And I, I... I wanted to be out there. Yes, some of those people in there might have inherited it for sure. They got a boost. They got some access to capital. That happens in America. Money gets passed down, you know, when people when people pass. But at the same time, there are also 20 and 30 year olds who just went out there and busted it, man. They started a business and they worked their butts off to to get that business going. And then it grew and it grew and it grew and the asset grew because assets can grow on top of the work you do, it's more of to show you that people can do it. I mean, you think about musicians and song, you know, because those people are so famous. They're not the only people. You got 20-year-olds out here starting construction companies and opening restaurants, you know, and taking a risk. And not only do they take that risk, but then they also have to be smart about the money to get where they want to go. And the, the whole point of it is you can do it. You can do it. Just got to get your planning right and be focused on be focused on a goal and telling your money what to do. Because you definitely can make it into the, ten, the top 10 percent uh, in America by net worth. Feels good to be back. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I intended to cover like three or four decades of what you needed to do but i looked at the clock and i was like man this this gotta be a series now i'm a little hype right now so uh we're gonna cover part two uh soon we'll talk about 30 to 39 year olds um, potentially 40 to 49 year olds what kind of challenges are presented in life at that time and what uh, those one percenters look like and those top 10 percenters look like and the average uh, and medium incomes of those that age bracket and that age group. Uh, so I look forward to those shows and you joining me for those shows. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And just like always, no matter where you are in your financial journey, always take the time to be a good Samaritan.